What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church and an occasional guest get together in a dank basement on a Monday. That's why it's called On Sunday. And today is one of those occasions that we have an occasional guest. We'll get there in a second. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And we also have... Savannah. Savannah. Savannah, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you. Uh, Savannah, you've probably seen her helping us lead worship on Sundays. Um, she also did an internship last summer. No, two summers ago. Two, two summers, summers ago. yeah. Two summers ago. Then she found somewhere cooler to internship. <laughs> <laughs> Not what happened. That's, That's true. true. And now she's back again. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we see her all through the school year because she lives in Washington but attends Corbin University. Mm -hmm. What are you studying now? I'm studying Christian ministry. Christian ministry. And you're in your junior year. Yes, I'm going into my senior year. It's great. Very you So you just finished your junior year. Yeah, I just finished. Yeah, I'm doing a summer class and then I'm back there. (coughs) And you're about to be a resident, what is it called? Oh, a resident assistant, an RA. There you go, RA, RA. resident yeah. assistant, mm-hmm. which means RA. you're going to corral a bunch of ladies in a dorm. You're going <laughs> to yeah, and honestly, crying college girls in the middle of the night. Most, <laughs> most of them are freshmen and most of them have lots of problems. So yes, <laughs> yes, it's true. That's <laughs> funny. Awesome. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to get to like mentor them and have fun. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's cool like in a Christian university. Yeah. To do that job because it's not babysitting, it's more discipling. Yeah, that's exactly what they want the position to be like, discipling young women. So. That is do, cool. Is there like a training course for this? Yeah, we in do. That end, to like to that end for RAs? We do have like training and lots of like bonding exercises, but we do... Um, like trust falls? We do. <laughs> Hopefully not trust, trust falls. falls. Trust falls are awful, but um, we do like training through different um, books that we go through. And then I think they're, we're going we're gonna to be reading a book of the Bible together, I think. As a team. Throughout the year or just over the summer? Throughout the year, there is training that we do um, once a week. And then over the summer, there's training. But I'm saying you said you're going to read this book of the Bible together. Yeah. Is that all year long or just over the summer before the year starts? That's over the summer before oh, the year starts. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And you're going to be gone here pretty soon. We're not going to say where. And we're not going to say why, what. Because it's like, you know, code. under the radar yeah. code. Uh, but she will be going to the Middle East. I will. Gotcha. To be doing some work with yes. the CIA. Some people over there. Yes. An Central. intercultural trip. Yes. With a few peeps over there. Yes. Um, through Corbin <laughs> University. Mm-hmm. And so there will be professors there and uh, other students there. How many are on your team going? Uh, there's 13 students. And I think in all, I think there's 15 of us. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. with with the professors and stuff. Yeah. That's very cool. So you're leaving like Friday yeah. this week. Friday at like 5 a.m. Oh, wow. And the, so you're going to the Middle East. You'll be there for? Um, I'll be there for 16 days. 16 days. Is yeah. that including travel? That's including travel. Okay. So, so two weeks roughly. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. That's awesome. That'll be a great experience. Yeah, I'm excited. Not excited for the 15-hour flight though, so. And then- you get back and then you go to Canada. Uh huh. Canada. Like, right. <laughs> I'm so excited. Canada. Yeah. Right. Like, what part of Canada? Because that's, that's uh, Canada's huge, as some say. That's true. <laughs> um, 
that's super exciting. Um, I actually don't have any idea because I haven't even planned that out. I'm mm. kind of like a last minute planner. Oh, so. gotcha. I, I thought maybe somebody planned this for you. No. You no, should walk no, no, across no. that bridge. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, what bridge? I don't know. Isn't there a big bridge in Canada you walk across? There's big bridges everywhere. A big suspension bridge. No idea. What People drive about? there from Washington. Yeah. We well, were going to walk across this big suspension bridge. Oh, we're going to be driving there. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. But this is also through Corbin? No, that's my own personal vacation. Oh, a vacation. Yeah. Okay. Very For cool. some reason, I thought it was like a ministry trip. No, no. I mean, I, I suppose I'll shine the light of Jesus while I'm there. But other yeah. than that, that's kind <laughs> of all I've got. <laughs> I okay. suppose I'll try to evangelize. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Thank you so much. <laughs> no, no joke. Quick story. I was in Uganda. And, you know, you go on a mission trip, you think, oh, I'm going to do all this evangelism and stuff like that. I didn't do any evangelism in Uganda to the Ugandans. Instead, what happened was we were on a trip to go to a safari. This was like one of our last days. And we picked up a couple of hitchhikers, hitchhikers, hitchhikers on the way. (laughs) And they were like the whitest white kids you've ever seen. Okay. From Canada. And, uh, and we evangelized them in the van all the way back to like the main city that we were in. And I'm like, I've been here two weeks. <laughs> I haven't had a single evangelistic opportunity because everybody is like, you know, that we were interacting quote unquote, with, quote, Christian, on, yeah, yeah. quote unquote, sure. Christian. like Christians. Yeah. And I finally met like an atheist or an agnostic group of people and they literally live like three hours from me, you know, and That's like crazy. right over the border. Yeah. And I was like, this is so bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, they're from Canada. Anywho. Well, uh, I appreciate that you're here on the podcast. You're with us here um, mm-hmm. over the summer and living with Ashley, our kids director. And, um, but it's been cool, you know, getting to know you the last yeah. few years and uh, seeing you grow. And uh, that's been really cool. So thanks for being here. Joining yeah, with us. Definitely. Cody, how was your week? It was pretty good. Yeah, it was not bad. Uh, let's. We had Thailand's last volleyball games. She uh-huh, had a tournament. Uh-huh. They did pretty well. They took third place, Sweet. which we were not hopeful for, uh, because her team seems really weird. But <laughs> but they're like all fifth graders, you know. So none yeah. of them are great at volleyball, and they played. Uh, they played better than I thought they would. Relatively speaking, of course. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. Well, in the two teams that were that ended up the tournament ranked higher than both had boys on their team. Mm. That's not fair. Well, but it's allowed. They could have one yeah, on their allowed. team. So yep. it's not fair, but it is allowed. It's legal. Yeah. Legal. Yep. Mm. Yep. But not maybe not like ethical? No, I think it's ethical. There's nowhere for boys to play, you know? So if well, you no. want to play volleyball, uh, that's where you have to do it. Um, and then uh, Riley had her last soccer game. So we are like going to get our weekends back. Oh, nice. And several of our weekdays back. Very cool. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. But it was also fun to watch them, fun to coach them. They're, they're cool kids. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Rob? You had a busy weekend. Yes. Um, big news. We officially purchased the house. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the button. Hit the button. Let's do it. Which one is it? Yeah. Right. Uh, enough with a button okay (laughs) i officially own property in canby oregon wow yeah which is uh super exciting our first home ever purchased and uh the first thing that has happened (laughs) is a bat or a bird is trapped 
in <laughs> like an air vent in my house. It's right above your HVAC system in your garage. It right? is. It is crazy. I mean, if you want, I can hear you can hear it. It was. This that sounds bat-ish. No, that's a little sparrow. Uh, that something. sounds awful. Yeah, it's it screaming in a pipe. You need to. Did you get it out? No, and I I cannot figure out because anyways. Uh, so I have a live bird living in my. <laughs> you should probably Dude, you like pump some gas down there. It something. could also like be at the other end, like near the opening, but just like echoing, echoing down there. I thought you know? that, oh, but if you true. if you well, I'm not gonna play the rest of you. It's a lot of screeching and cr- scratching. You could hear like claws oh, right it's in like there, stuck in there, man. It's like you should put armor. some gas or some some monkey gas in there or something. What is that? What? I don't know. Just like if you get monkeys in your vent, you put monkey gas in it, kills the monkeys. <laughs> what are you? Figure out what what the bird equivalent you? of that is, and I'm so get, get rid of that thing. I don't what know, is, Savannah. He watches I was, a lot of YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it got in there. You got to get out of there. So, you got. Anyways, get out of there, I have to figure it out or call an exterminator. I don't know, You're but torturing it. We own a home. That's what's cool, and we're gonna. <laughs> oh start, yeah, that is cool. We're gonna start moving. In. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone who buys their buys their first house, especially if it's like even if it's br- like a brand new house. You move in and within hours, there's something. Yeah. The, the first so time true. we bought our house, instantly there was a water leak in the water main. Oh, day one, I had to switch out the water main like outside. No way. And had to dig this huge thing. I'm like, literally day one. Like I couldn't even move my stuff in, you know? It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's the home well, at, curse. At least I don't have to deal yeah. with that. Worst comes to worst, the bird doesn't make it out, and uh, that's where he—that's where his little soul resides for the rest oh of eternity. My. <laughs> in my, <laughs> but and, but you know what the Bible says that not even a sparrow falls that's true. without the Lord knowing. The Lord knows, yeah. <laughs> so and he true. has it's called the Jesus Juke, Savannah. Oh, I I understand <laughs> Jesus Juke. Um, Jesus Juke. <laughs> so yeah, we close. Everything on. has a purpose. <laughs> to everything there is a season. True. <laughs> and everything in its season. We closed uh, on Friday. We signed the papers. And then that evening and all day, Saturday and Sunday, 12, well, really longer days because I, I was here for an hour in the morning at the church helping to set up for men's huddle. But I couldn't be here, sadly, for the huddle, which I hear went amazing. Because mm-hmm. um, I was up <clears throat> in Portland participating in what Henson Church calls a weekender. Essentially, you're just kind of tagging along for some important events in the life of that church, getting an idea of how they do things. You're there to observe and learn how they do ministry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to hear some talks from the pastors, sit down for lunch with the pastors, talk with them, get to know them a little more. It's cool. We, we have these good relationships with them, not you more than me. And so I was able to connect with those guys a little more, which was great. And I got to meet a bunch of different church leaders from different churches who were coming and uh, participating, uh, a handful of churches from Washington came down, had some really good mm-hmm. conversations with them, some evangelical free guys. Uh, they weren't all Baptists. Hinton is a Baptist church. But then there was a whole group, like 35 people uh, from a Chinese church in Sacramento, and they actually have three congregations, one that's in English, one that's in Mandarin, and one that's in a different Chinese language, which I am forgetting at the moment what's the other language they I forget speak? but there are three main languages so each of those congregations meet in the same building but they are in different languages and like so sometimes the parents will speak mandarin but their kids are growing up in english and so they are a yeah. part of the english congregation 
it was a really interesting like immigrant church and it was really kind of interesting to hear their story and and stuff like that and they were learning a lot obviously it was it was really helpful but there was very long days but i got to see how they Hutongwa? is that right no no it's That's a very it it's a common mandarin it's, and you can start guessing Chinese languages. No, literally, I just you know Cantonese. Is, Cantonese. Oh, Cantonese. There was mm-hmm. yes, right. Cantonese, um, Mandarin, and English, and uh, so that was it. Was really kind of interesting seeing a picture into that. Uh, went to lunch at the house of the lead pastor there with a number of those guys, and had a good time talking with him and his wife and getting to know how their journey has been in the Northwest and how they do ministry and then saw how they did members meeting and elders meeting all the stuff that we do as well and how they do it a little bit differently. So just kind of things to glean. Um, but anyways, that, that was a very long weekend. Yeah. But sadly I missed the service. So I don't even, Mm. you know, on Sunday, I wasn't even here on Sunday guys, but well, I am aware of the text. I, (laughs) I heard a little bit of it when I was reviewing the YouTube video, but I haven't listened to it sadly. So I'll do what I can. All right. You're in there. Mm. Exodus. So men's huddle. How'd that go, Aaron? I mean, I was the only pastor or elder there. So I was sure to give all the guys holding a hard time about (laughs) not being there. And I I was joking that it was really a scary thing because I don't typically do a lot for the men's (laughs) 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 most of the time. And so like I felt the weight of having things all on me, you know? Oh, Um, yeah. So, it, but anyway, it, it wasn't all on me because uh, honestly, like all the guys that we have leading Derek and Mike and Greg Newman and uh, Joel and I know Chris, Chris Brown, Brown yep. um, all all stepped up and uh, we're basically running yeah. things. So it, it I mean, I was out. here in the morning. I talked to those guys, helped mm-hmm. set up coffee and stuff like that. Yeah. But I couldn't stay. So. We had our. Well, the irony is that we had none of the church leaders there, but we had the largest amount of guys we've mm-hmm. ever had in a huddle, which was like fifty guys. So. That was really cool, but other than that, it was just like a great week. I was thankful for the sunshine, and yeah, uh, but also kind of cool. glad that it cooled off just a little bit. And uh, I know, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I have loved the Book of Exodus, and I it was a little sad, like coming to the end of this book, and then. But I'm I'm also kind of happy to move on and move into where we're going next in First Timothy, which we'll which we'll get to later on. But anyway, that's how my week my week went. Um, I mean, oh, the other thing, I had a great evangelistic conversation this week with a couple of people nice. new, new from newer, like a, attending the church. Oh, that's true. I remember oh, you talking gosh. that you had met them and then you, then you met, had lunch with them or coffee. Uh, or I, I just met them in my office. Yeah. I just oh, had a conversation okay. with them and, and, uh, anyway, not, not going into the whole conversation. I was just personally really encouraged by them. And by the questions they were asking and where they were sort of at. And, and mm. I think that I think they were helped, you know, in answering some of their questions. And I think that they, I mean, they were back again this Sunday. So this was three weeks in a row they've been here. Um, and it's, it's cool when a couple, like one of their questions they asked like toward the end was like, so we're not yet Christians, but like, can we keep coming <laughs> like to church? And I'm like, Absolutely. Like, but understand maybe some people might like a- assume that you're a Christian, you know, like it's not every day a non-Christian just walks in and is like, 
journeying Starts here. Faithfully you know? attending excited, church. Yeah. yeah, like I can't get some Christians to faithfully attend every week, but these people are attending three times a week or, you know, three weeks in a row. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, so it's cool. Like it was, Very it cool. was good to see them back again this week. And, um, but anyway, I, I really thrive, I think in evangelistic opportunities. So it was cool to have this specific one Very this week. Cool. But other than that. Nice. Well, before we jump in, we usually, when we have a special guest, we usually quiz them. Oh yeah. Make them play a little That's game. right. A okay. very special yeah. guest. And, uh, so Savannah, like me. Is from Washington. Washington? Not, Washington. Not from Oregon. As Melody would say. But at least Washington. at least more Northwest than <laughs> Californian. Right. That's true. True. <laughs> Even if we're not true Oregonians. I mean uh, so I have I have a, a Washington quiz for you. Oh wow. Um and <laughs> okay. Rob Rob, what's her prize if she wins? Uh a high five. High five. Okay. A high five. Do I also get a button? <laughs> no. We don't have any. <laughs> I don't have. A, I don't have a button. What? Yeah. Dang it! <laughs> All right. He'll push a button for you. Oh. The, yeah, the, I'll uh, push a button. All right. Here's your first quiz. Okay. Okay. Um, Washington is the only state flag that is this color. What color is it? Green. Green. What? What? Easy. Only one in the United States. That's wow. amazing. Only green flag. It's the Evergreen Wait, State. I have a fun, fun Washington fact about a flag. Okay. Tell us. What is it illegal? To paint on the American flag in Washington, just in Washington, just in Washington, to paint and apple. Wait, it's, it's <laughs> that would quiz. actually make yeah a tree. I don't know polka dots. You can't paint <laughs> you can't polka, polka dot. dot the flag. <laughs> okay. Anything else is fine, but it is illegal to paint polka dots on the All American right. flag. Well, so you are one for <laughs> two now, Savannah. Okay. What? That was not an actual question. <laughs> it's all it's the same as me. Dude, I have the surprise same as me making questions it up for you. All right, yeah, we'll go back and forth. Okay, so Washington is known for its apples. Sure. They produce the most in all the 50 states. What other produce does Washington produce the most of out of all the states? Oh, gosh. There I'm... is four. You get. You only have to get two of four. <laughs> Are you serious right now? What other oh produce? my gosh. Wow. I don't know, like maybe like blackberries could be one. I I don't know. <laughs> Cody's got a very skeptical look. Mm. No. Not blackberries. This is, this You're on the fruit? right track. Like produce? Produce, yeah. Okay. I'm on the right track. You're on the right track. Let's go strawberries. Okay. And did you get that one? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Gosh, what Wait, other what other stuff is? Gotta out give there? her like an ant. Do you have an ant sign or what? Uh, do you no, don't give me the no, ant. No, I only have a want want. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that'll be when she fails in the. Okay. okay. Yeah. But I'm on the right track. How am I on the right track? That doesn't I mean, make you're any naming sense. Things <laughs> that are produce. <laughs> these are definitely the right these are definitely all. produce. You give, you give up? <laughs> yeah, you're on the right okay, track. It's we produce. got what, what else? What else can people grow? I don't know corn. Broccoli? <laughs> Definitely not corn. I think I think uh, yeah, Wisconsin I think wins we're that out. one. We're, yeah, it was pears, oh red raspberries, okay. sweet cherries. I said raspberries. You said no, you said blackberries. Oh, and <laughs> spearmint oil. You missed spearmint, spearmint oil. Oil. That, was, that seems okay, obvious. That, 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 seems, that one seemed the most obvious to me. That's far-fetched. Spearmint oil. <laughs> that's far-fetched. All right, Rob, you're up. Okay, in what <laughs> Washington town okay. is it illegal to ride an ugly horse? <laughs> I hate you guys for this. First of all, um, let's, let's let's go Tacoma. I'm gonna go with Tacoma. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go Linden. I don't know. 
Wilbur. 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 Oh, that sounds Wilbur. like a joke because it wasn't that a that, horse. That was like the, the name of a horse. I don't know, like, but it's it's it a, was wasn't Wilbur Andy the, the name of a a pig? Don't ride your yeah. Wilbur, Wilbur the pig. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Here you go. Uh, Washington has great trees. This is true. They're very resilient. Okay. If you travel over to Vashon Island, what can you see stuck into a living tree? It grew around this thing. What? There's like the tree grew over this thing and it's stuck in it. Is it a oh. really awkward thing? Or is it like a normal? Like would it make sense? It's like Vashon Island is like famous for it. Okay, here's the thing. I've never been to Vashon. <laughs> I only know people from Vashon. I'm not rich enough to live there. I don't know. Is it a rock? <laughs> it is not. It is a bicycle. Wow. In, in oh, 19, okay. 1914, a guy chained his bike to a tree and then had to go to war. And this tree just grew around it. But the funny part about that is I actually knew that one because one time when I lived in Gig Harbor, I Googled fun things to do in Gig Harbor. And the number one thing was to look at the bike in a tree on Vashon Island. That's that is wild. That's the number how, one thing. That's oh how, my gosh. Oh, whoa. How crazy is that? That's look, how boring that Gig Harbor is. Fun things to do in Gig Harbor. Number one was leave Gig Harbor, go to Vashon Island, and look at a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a there really is nothing in Gig Harbor. It's I like mean. grown into the tree. All right, Rob, Rob bring us home. This is your last chance. Um, this is the last question I get? I don't know. All right. Uh, what know, famous <laughs> place in Washington is said to host a bevy of ghosts and might be the most haunted place in Washington? Ooh. Ooh. Um, Interesting. I don't know. In Washington? Yes. It's a place? You or, have been here. Or a city? No, it's a place. It's oh, like, it's a place. Like a house. No, it's, it's, a, it's a place that many tourists go to. And it hosts ghosts? I mean, it is said the, to be the yeah to host. She doesn't a know bevy what is it. I have no idea, but I the only thing I can think of is like the space like Pike Place or like it is. It's Pike like the place under. Market. It's oh like the gosh. underground. Oh. Yeah, there is like ghost hey, tours. Yeah, I, I get a button for that. That's right, <laughs> Pike Place it, are, Market. Is that is that who they blame for sticking all the gum on the wall? Or are ghosts? <laughs> the ghosts? Oh yeah, seriously, this is ghost no. gum. Maybe those are like right. offerings. I don't know. <laughs> the dude. birthplace <laughs> of ghost. the evil Starbucks. Ghost can't chew gum, dude. <laughs> that Starbucks oh, is awful. It's a nightmare. You sound That's so funny. ignorant right now. Ghost can't chew gum. <laughs> 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 okay, well, we, right, we, I think you won. Good yeah, job. Maybe one. Oh, five. see, I don't know high how many right you had. She got you. it. She got Thank you. We need to move on. Here we go. We're, we're moving on. So uh, you're going to go to this question. Aren't you going to go to the question? Oh, do you want to go right to the question? I well, let's I just it. let's just preface though that your main point for this sermon was the glory of God is mm. only experienced through faith and obedience to the Word of God, mm-hmm. and you kind of left us with these two pre- uh, prepositions that every person longs for something greater than what we are greater than what we have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the answer to that is the, you know, that's a good thing was the second preposition because it draws us to the glory of God. But we did have a question. You want to read it? Me? No, I don't care. I can read it. Okay. Since I wasn't there at all, and, but I did get this card. And you summarized the question. No, this is, us. I'll give part of it. This is word for word. Basically what, what a person asks uh, please define the glory of God. So this yeah. is obviously the primary thing. Thinking about this in terms of Moses's obedience and faith. So Moses wasn't particularly obedient the whole time 
You know right, what I mean? Right. During the, that's <laughs> definitely true. Um, especially like, you know, from when we saw him at the burning bush to where we see him at the end of the book of Exodus. So that's kind of the question that we'll start there. There's an additional part of the question. Maybe we'll get to it a little Is bit Is that later. what this person specifically wrote? Moses wasn't particularly obedient yeah. when he saw the burning bush. Which maybe that's par- like what? So yeah, part of our like, answer right away. Oh, when they saw the burning bush. But part, mean, of, part of our answer right away would be this main point that the glory of God is experienced through faith and obedience in the word of God is uh, for Exodus 40, which was our wrap-up right. final chapter yeah. of yeah. Exodus. So we're at a point where Moses is uh, pretty obedient. Yeah. He's kind yeah, of yeah, killing yeah, yeah. it at this for point. For sure. Right. I, I mean, first off, Moses wasn't disobedient at the burning bush. He was just like confused. Like, yeah. who are you? If you want me to do these things, I need to know who you are. And but he was pretty hesitant. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was for sure hesitant. He argued with God to some degree. Or I mean, least... I think he was he was hesitant. I think he was like, "Did you do? Are you sure you got the right guy?" Right. I think he was curious. I don't think he was like disobedient. Yeah, that that's true. That's. I think yeah. he was just like, yeah. You know how the Rob? Honestly, you're one of these people. But some people, well, thank you. But I'm some, a disobedient, unglorious person. <laughs> no, some some people like if you give a like, hey, can you do this for me? They'll be like, okay, yeah, boom, and then they run away and they go do it. Like other people want more details. Mm. Well, well, what do you mean by this? So if I mm. do that, like, can you help me understand that? And they like, I knew I knew this one person. If I had a phone call, I knew it was going to take 15 minutes of explaining what I need. And because they just, they wanted everything spelled out for them. You know what I mean? I feel like Moses was that way. Wait, 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 wait. Like, you want me to go back to Egypt? You want me to do that? How am I going to communicate to them? Who am I going to say is going? You know what I mean? He was like, I want all the details. And yet still he was hesitant. Maybe he was trying to talk him, you know, talk out of it. Right. Um, But I don't know if he was disobedient. Regardless, he was very obedient by the end. He was. So I guess that maybe that's where the question comes from. Because your main point... Define the glory of God. Yeah, but let's let's go to actually the definition. You said you did define it in your sermon a little bit, or maybe... I defined it earlier on in like Exodus 34. Yeah. When he asks to see the glory of God, show me your glory, he yeah. says. Mm-hmm. And so what was he asking? And I, and I said, the glory depending on... Like glory can be defined or described depending on its context in that context the glory of god was experienced in the goodness of god yeah and the proclamation of his name right as he says the lord the lord's lord or, or gracious and merciful all of these things um but i think the glory of god is a little bit difficult to like just have a hard line description yeah um a lot it's of complicated. guys there's like a, a syntax range of words uh, that you can sort of use to describe it. So one of them is like weight, the mm. weightiness of God. It's something that's more felt than like talked about, you know, like uh, you know it when you experience it kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. But you had a definition. I like, yeah. Lo- and we'll look, look at up. this. I like the, it's basically the attributes of God, like on display in on some display. way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, here's how Chris Morgan, Dr. Chris Morgan mm. of Cal Baptist University, your former professor and mentor in some way <laughs> mm. who you talk about all the time. Uh, he, he has an article on the gospel coalition. This is how he says it. I think this comes from probably one of his books, but this is kind of a longer definition, but I think it's, it's pretty full. The glory of God is the magnificence 
worth, loveliness, and grandeur of his many perfections, which he displays in his creative and redemptive acts in order to make his glory known to those in his presence. There's a lot there. For sure. Uh, but essentially it's, yeah, his, his attributes on display in redemption and all these different ways. So, so yeah, maybe hopefully that's helpful yeah. to think about, but honestly, the glory of God as a concept is somewhat difficult to get our hands all the way around right? And, as it ought to, because of the immensity of who God is, hmm. um, I think in some regard. And I think we see it in parts in different places and then the fullness of it throughout scripture is kind of captured in a definition like that. Right. I think the hard part is like the glory of God, which is what he has mm. in and of himself, right? This is what he radiates to us as we experience him, whether that's an attribute, an action, a word, whatever it is. And then there's like the act of bringing glory to God, right? So on our end, how we reflect back to God mm. those same attributes or honor or worth or whatever it is, worship, these kinds of things. Like we both experience the glory of God and we relate back to him those attributes, thus bringing more glory to him. Not that we can add more glory to him, but yet we are called to glorify him. So like, I think a lot of this, my sermon in regard to experiencing the glory of God and our longing for that, was sort of derived from the Westminster Catechism, which the first question is, what is the chief end of man? Like, mm -hmm. what is our highest aim? What is our purpose for existence? And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, and then there's like, you know, connected maybe 1 Corinthians, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This mm -hmm. is our, our highest aim in life. And we are not fully functioning or living on our purpose unless we're bringing glory to God. Um, so the question, how do you experience the glory of God in, in your life that then causes you to glorify him even more? And I think that was kind of where the sermon was going in regard to Exodus 40, but that was some, I guess, uh, inspiration for, for it a little bit. Yeah. But that's a good question. And it is the glory kind of, of God is I mean, tough. a little bit of what you did, I imagine is sort of wrap up the whole book in a sense right yeah in light of what they the journey they've gone through yeah so now they are experiencing the glory of god in his presence in the tabernacle through uh -huh. faith and obedience uh-huh yeah so that that makes sense no i me. did i did the like early on you weren't here but i i did like i don't know maybe five minute yeah, yeah. brief recap little, of yeah. the whole book well summary I think I, instead of going through story by story, I just went through like section by section, mm -hmm. Israel, yeah. Israel points. in Egypt, mm -hmm. Israel at Mount Sinai, Israel in the tabernacle, mm. and just kind of talked about what was going on in each of those, you know? Um, but yeah. Very cool. What other yeah. questions? Very good. <clears throat> well, I, yeah, I was curious. I mean, the, that big proposition you made that every person is looking for more yeah. than themselves. Um, and so you, you, I mean, sometimes that's expressed in maybe not, not like basically, ways. yeah, just like unharmful ways, like, sure. uh, like loving Disney, something like magical, like right, trying right, to right. experience sure. things, enjoying experience a sunset, ain't sunsets, nothing wrong with that. The stars, mm -hmm. whatever. Right. 
Um, but then sometimes it could drive us to unhealthy and unproductive in terms of our growth, drive us towards sin. Uh-huh. You know, you talked about uh, alcohol use, drug use, right. you know, sexual encounters outside of the moral boundaries that have been set, mm-hmm. risky gambling, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it feels like a lot of us do a lot, not necessarily the big sins, but a lot of us are looking for more, even after we've become Christians. You get what I'm saying? Keep a little going. bit. Um, and so I wonder, like, what is it? Is it just the fact that we can't really experience his glory to the fullest? Is it the our sin nature we still have within us? Um, because I think sometimes we say, like, you, you know, only God can satisfy. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Christians often feel unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In their life. Is that just sin? Is that because we won't be fully satisfied on this side of eternity? Yeah. What's your thoughts? Uh I don't I'm I'm not exactly sure the context of what you're speaking about. I think what came to my mind as you were talking though is I think a lot of Christians are discontent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like we're gonna get into Timothy in a few weeks. He's Paul's gonna tell Timothy like godliness with contentment is great gain. And so I think sometimes we lack gratitude with the things that we have and we um, aren't content with the things that the Lord has given us. And there's no like wow factor. And I think you see this in little kids, like my Adeline will be, she'll say, Hey dad, let's go do this thing. And then we'll, we'll literally be doing that thing that she asked and she's not present. She's not enjoying it. Hmm. She's asking me, what's the next thing we're going to do? And I'm like, Adeline, we're here now. We just, mm-hmm. we're doing the thing you asked, the thing that you wanted to do 10 minutes ago. We're doing it. And now you're like, let's rush on to the next thing. And I think that like a lot of adults don't grow out of that. You know, like there's, they, they arrive at something and then they're, they're not even paying attention. They can't like express contentment or gratitude or even just the moment, you know, joy in the moment. They, they look to something else. So I think maybe that's one thing. I don't know if that's maybe an answer of what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Other times it's just like expectations, Yeah, you know, expectations Mm -hmm. of what a job is going to supply to me or a friendship or school experience or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think expectations are also need to be more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just think sometimes like, especially working with youth, like you want them to believe you want them to trust. You want them to know that the best thing they can do for their life would be to put their faith in Jesus and try to learn and obey all that he's commanded. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we sell it as like, this is going to just be good. And then they get there and they still have problems, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or they still are looking for something or, you know, whatever it is. But even us as adults, like we aren't fully satisfied with God's glory alone. You know, uh-huh. we, we still have like basic needs. We still go, you know, watch movies and like try to experience a rush, you know, in different ways, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think sometimes it's, I just wonder, uh, you know, are we waiting probably for eternity with mm-hmm. him to be fully satisfied because we still live in a broken for sinful sure. world. Mm-hmm. We still have our sinful flesh that right. desires other things. Right. And it's hard to tell sometimes, am I unsatisfied 
is a sinful part of me unsatisfied, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which most of the time the answer is yes, right? For sure. contentment is found yeah. in God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel like we talked about this at in that 34 chapter when he asked to see his glory and then they sort of experience it here. I, I think for us as Christians, like we need to have a glimpse. And when I say glimpse, that's kind of hard to describe, but we need to have an understanding of God's glory as greater than the things that are of this world if we're going to avoid temptation. Um, and I think of the parables of the treasure and the pearl of great price yeah, and the, the tre- treasure in the field, right? It's like you have this great thing and there's nothing, nothing to take away from this great thing, but you find something greater in Christ mm. and in the gospel or in the kingdom or wh- however people want to interpret it. What is, what is the pearl of great price? Um, it's like these other things sort of seem cheap, temporal in comparison to this. And I'm willing to give up everything for that, you know? And I think that's sort of what the glory of God does when you experience him and his love, well, like we read, his attributes, mm-hmm. um, when you experience um, his love, for example, or his magnificence or his loveliness or these kinds of things, like everything else sort of actually finds its right place. And now I'm not looking for in my wife what I can only get in God. I'm not looking for in a friendship what I can only get in God. I'm not looking in myself to find something I can only get in God, you know, like meaning or truth or whatever that is. And so I think the glory of God, like it, we were talking about this essay by Dr. Morgan that we just quoted his definition, but in his book, the glory of God, I mean, he's essentially teasing out the whole Bible is uh, it's at least a central theme that we were created for God's glory. Everything was created for God's glory. And in the end, our highest good is to experience God's glory. And that's what we're chasing after uh, is glory. And that's where my like proposition came from. Yep. Um, I think it was actually Paul David Tripp in one of his like books or something like that. He talks about how we have a glory problem mm-hmm. and that we look, he, he termed it that way. We look for glory. I think it's the one we read as the church or awe, right? Ah, yes. Awe is the book. Ah, yeah. That's right. And oh my gosh, did that book get redundant? Oh man, just read the first two chapters and then you're done. But <laughs> Dude, that worked out great because that's what I did. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I didn't uh, know it was going to get redundant. I just uh, have ADHD. Brother, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> One of the most redundant books I've ever read. Anyway, the first two chapters were worth everything, I think. But he talked about that, how we have a glory problem and how we look for to satisfy that longing in all the wrong places when we need to look for those things in God. And then when we do, everything else will sort of file itself in the right place. Yeah. And then we can have actually healthy relationships and things like that. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, yesterday we visited that elk farm. Uh-huh. And and those like elk, they're intense animals, especially oh, yeah. to see them up close. Like they're you know the the horns they have, the like they're just like a a big like a, like being next to a horse. It's like just kind of a majestic animal for sure. They're wild. But the dude who owned them was saying, "Oh yeah, I don't know. Do I want to keep doing this? How long will I want to keep doing this?" Because he said, "I go out and I don't even see them anymore." Yeah, and when that you, was that and was crazy. These when he intense said that. animals that no one really gets to see when you don't see them anymore. 
uh, it just kind of made him wonder, like, do how much do I really love this still, or what, right. or whatever he was kind of saying, like, how much longer will will I keep doing this? Right. Um. And I, but I think on this side of eternity, when we're only seeing glimpses of that glory, I think the same thing can happen to us, where we're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's you know, I'm yeah, I read my Bible and yeah, I've had some cool experiences with God, but maybe there's. Maybe there's something else too. You know, right. I think we can easily get, and that's that contentment thing, mm-hmm. um, where because we're not really experiencing the full, full glory of God yet, um, and it does take work. And there's like these easy, sinful things that seem like <laughs> they'll they'll give you a buzz real fast or whatever. Right. Um, but I think on a side note to that, I don't know. Maybe it fits together a little bit. Th- one thing we discussed in our small group. Did you look at this at all? That Moses is hanging out with God in the tent. The cloud comes. He meets with God, right? His face is shining, all that stuff. <coughs> but as God's <coughs> glory fills the tabernacle, he Moses can't go into it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you look at that? Is that just like a progression of the amount of glory? Or like, because he was just chilling in the cloud before inside the tent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so is this just like, is that emphasizing that this was a different amount of glory <laughs> or God was with his people in a new way? Or did you look at that at all? I mean, we talked about this for a second. Um, did I miss it <laughs> in the sermon? <laughs> No, I'm saying I didn't talk about it in my sermon. Oh, okay. We talked about it in my small group. Mm. Um, Because because even how you just said it right there, uh, he couldn't go in the tabernacle anymore. Isn't that what you just said? Uh, I might have, but I didn't really mean it that way because the tabernacle just got built, you know? Right. Yeah. So, But he wasn't the high priest? No, he he goes in it again because we, like, I think it was number six. What I meant was he couldn't, uh, he was in this cloud. Now, Moses the, now was. as the, yeah, he was in the cloud meeting in this tent, this other tent, right? Uh, yeah, the cloud would descend on right. his tent. He'd meet with God. Right. What I meant by not anymore is now the clouds in the tabernacle, and it says he filled the tabernacle right. to the point that Moses couldn't enter it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that what this is describing is the the moment, the first moment, that first wave, uh, like picture a dam breaks right Mm. and when a dam breaks boom i mean all this water just goes Mm. gushing out and just overwhelms a river bed and everything is just sort of wiped out let's say but then as that sort of initial rush goes away now you just has this like you know very large sizable river flowing and in the in the first sort of manifestation of the glory of god in the completion of the tabernacle, then you have this rush, this like overwhelming, it was supposed to be a moment that they would never forget. And um, actually Peter Hosteller shared his uh, testimony at the men's huddle. And he he's, was always raised in the church. And so he doesn't have the, the quintessential testimony, you know, that we, you typically hear from people. I was lost. Now I'm found. Instead, he shared a story about a time when, after he moved out of his parents' house, he um, he was sort of not in a good situation. He was all the way on the other side of the country. He was living with some people who weren't Christians. There was a lot of alcohol in the house. There wasn't any good church near him, and he ended up finding a good church and just broke down. And he described at this testimony that it was it, like the Lord met him there, 
in a unique low point. Mm. And so, and he provided for him. He sort of helped him get out of the situation that he was in and blah, blah, blah. And what he was saying was, the Lord gives us moments when he really shows up for us. And when we go through seasons like that again, we remember that moment. Like that was a watershed moment for me. Um, I mean, I know I have those, some of those, like, I remember this. I remember that when the Lord, you know, revealed his love to me. And I think that's what this was supposed to be. This is, this is kind of like Pentecost, right? The, the spirit falls down. People are speaking in tongues, like flame of fire over their heads. And it's, it's wild time, right? Cause this is the birth of the church. And so this was a once in a lifetime sort of situation, you know, never going to happen again in the same way. God was making a statement at Pentecost. God's making a statement here. I'm here with you. My glory is with you. Because then after that, this sort of like, it changes in verse 36. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up, you know, then the people of Israel would set out. So it sort of changes like looking more toward the future about the function of the glory of God residing in the tabernacle. But I think it was this moment was like a, a proof that God is among them in a special way, even greater than on Mount Sinai, even greater than in the tent of meeting with Moses. Mm. The, now he's at the tabernacle and it was sort of like a proof that God was with them in a, in a powerful way, you know? Mm. I don't know. I guess the, a good illustration would be like that, a dam breaking. It's that initial bursting forth of his yeah. glory, you know? No, I love that. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that is a good question because that, that was a little interesting but eventually, Moses is able to enter the tabernacle, and his tent of meeting goes away, and then the tabernacle becomes the tent of meeting. Um, yeah, number seven talks about the consecration of the tabernacle, and it was that is that the section where it talks about yeah, Moses going that, going in, which is it's almost the same time as Exodus forty, right? Is that not similar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the timeline is somewhat there's a lot of crossover yeah because leviticus is written or is recorded for us after exodus but technically it's it doesn't that get anyway so the timeline is somewhat overlapping at the end of chapter seven of numbers we read moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the lord he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim and it spoke to him so god he met with god in you know, the holiest of holies and spoke of them. And this is after the tabernacle was built and was consecrated. Uh, so that's when they anoint all the lampstands and they're, mm -hmm. th so this is, I think the same time. It's just Exodus 40 summarizes it briefly. And then yeah. later in numbers, it extends, it just tells the details. Yeah. But again, yeah, we don't, we'd have to clarify the timeline there, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 I was kind of, we talked about that too, about how it seemed like, well, now God's institution of his order with the priesthood and how the priests would function going into and minister with, for the people one day a year with the high priest and all that is beginning to be set into place. But of course, Moses is sort of somewhat unique in his role. He, even though he isn't technically the high priest, he is, he is the prophet and priest in the leader of the, um, of the, uh, Israelites at that time. But anyway, so, um, it's a pretty complex situation that's happening, but it is amazing to think about that spectacle.
Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That had to be encouraging because these people would mm-hmm. see Moses. Like we just read, like they, Moses goes out and they all stand and watch what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And now look, God is in their midst in mm-hmm. this crazy spectacle, this huge pillar of cloud and flame, which I, my question was like, is similar to the burning bush. Wouldn't this thing be consumed? But of course it's not because it's this miraculous event. So they're all kind of experiencing, at least from a distance, sort of what Moses saw, which is this burning bush not being consumed, but this fire is there in the evening covering this thing, and it's just lit up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, they're behind the veil, they're behind the outer court, so they're seeing it from a distance, but still, um, it's it's a miraculous, amazing, glorious For sure. thing that's happening. Uh, my question to you was, did Moses build this whole thing? By himself, I answered that in the sermon. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah I he, did. he did. I mean, so yeah. no, but he yes. gets the credit. He gets the credit. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh yeah, President so and so built that. But yeah, no. he was the dude. Mm. It wasn't him. It was like all the workers with him. Right. Yeah. When you, because you you took notes, Savannah. I know you were at I church. Did. Was there anything that sort of like jumped out to you? I know you're not in a life group either, but was there anything that jumped out to you in this text where you're like, oh, that's interesting, or I sure. have a question there. Sure. When you were talking about um, human desire for awe and wonder, you kind of went into this little um, like bit where you talked about how we look for for beauty, we mm. look for power, we look for like perfection. When all those things were found in Christ, I thought mm-hmm. that was really interesting. That was like one of the main points that I got out of it. Um, and then just your main point: the glory of God is only experienced through faith and obedience to the Word of God. Kind of made me think of. Um, that quote by John Piper, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but that mm-hmm. satisfaction can only come from faith and obedience. Right. It yeah. It like faith is a key word, right? Because you're like seeing something yeah. that God is saying exists and yet is not sort of immediately what your what draws your attention or your eye, you know? Mm-hmm. Um like like I was saying you, you know, I mean, was seeing you the last few years, like grow as a Christian and mature yeah. in your faith and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think this is a pretty glorious thing mm-hmm. and uh, seeing the, like the people in our church, like grow Definitely. individually um, is a pretty glorious thing. Mm-hmm. And and yet some could chalk that up and just say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, they're just like, yeah, they used to do this and they used to do that. It's like, well, that's, you're not, you're not understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is yeah. only something the Lord could do. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't have the ability to become this that I have become, you know? And, and you see the Lord working in someone's life and transforming them. Mm-hmm. And whereas like, this was a big moment, the glory of God coming on, like, you know, over the tabernacle. But like Paul talks about the glory of God in the life of the Christian in 2 Corinthians 3 as the increasing conformity to the image of Jesus day by day. Mm. And and that's like really hard to see day by day. But year by year, you know, every five years where I was then and where I am now, as we're beholding him and walking by faith, these kinds of things like it's amazing the transformation that can happen. And that's a glorious transformation. 
Yeah. But it takes faith to see that as something that God is doing. Um, something what that you said made me think about that. <laughs> um, but I think that's where it can become practical and it's not so abstract when we think mm-hmm. about the glory of God at work in people's lives and, and how that sort of works and how it transforms us. But we have to be satisfied in him, right? Definitely. Yeah. And, and the only way to do that is to actually behold him. Mm-hmm. And... And I think when we do, we'll we'll recognize like what truth is. Um, as an example, I remember I was, I have an accountability group of guys, right? And we meet once a year. And we, anyway, we we're talking about our marriage. This is just an example. Um, about the world wants to define to us men, what is beauty? Mm-hmm. And so they put it on magazine covers and they yeah. put it on stuff like that. But if you don't look at that stuff, and you just look at your wife or your spouse, you know, like husband, or like they become the image of beauty in your mind. Yeah. It, it, it it's actually is beholder. true for sure. Like it happens. It is, it's an experience. So mm-hmm. I think that whatever you set before your eye and you define that, that is what is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, then everything else isn't <laughs> yeah. as beautiful as By that. Default, yeah. And so when you, and that, that comes by choice, um, by conviction, by faith. And, and I think that's just an illustration of an even greater beauty, right? If mm-hmm. we behold the glory of God, it's, it's like a, I, I quoted that Tozer book, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Do you think he's evil, like those <laughs> atheists thought? Or do you think he's good? Mm-hmm. That'll radically tran- transform the way you live. Yeah. Um, and I think whatever you set before your face will transform you. And others want to define to you what is beautiful, what is good, what is right. And But I think, obviously, the more we set before us Scripture and the glory of God, then the more our minds are transformed, as Paul <laughs> talks about in Romans 12. Mm. Um, anyway, I was going off on that, yeah. on something else. Well, I, I mean, I think, yeah, you're making a good point on the glory of God, which is kind of what makes it so like difficult to define you know, in a really concrete way, because I mean, Paul says, man is the glory of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and probably it's a lot like what you were saying in the compliment to Savannah, watching her grow and mature and, you know, grow in ministry, grow in, you know, desires to go on mission trips and things like that. Like that is a glorious thing to behold watching our church grow and the people like well, that's glorious. Well, it's the Matthew five sixteen thing. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory mm-hmm. yeah. to your father in heaven. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it's a little bit of a false dichotomy to be like, do you, are you finding, you know, are you seeking God's glory or are you like finding these experiences in nature, you know, or like, well, if we know God created the freaking Grand Canyon <laughs> and right, we right, go yeah. and we experience awe over it and know this is like God created it. For sure. You know, like that is glory to God. I mean, with the, you use the Ecclesiastes quote, you know, uh-huh. like the idea that we should be taking pleasure in the things that God created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like he said, eternity in our hearts and we won't find it. We won't find that desire met outside of him, but we should be enjoying the things he created you know you can you can find glory in your marriage Mm -hmm. and that is also finding god's glory like there's you know so there's lots of ways to experience well like psalm 19 but again not outside of obedience 
right? No, yeah, exactly. you're not gonna right. like if your f- marriage is full of sin and disobedience, right. you're not gonna experience a lot of God's glory in that. You're gonna yeah. experience a lot of strife and heartache, right? Well, and my connection with the obedience thing is, um, an a- it is the response of faith, right? I believe it, yeah. therefore I'm gonna act upon it. So, but it's also like like the church, for example. We don't, and I brought this up in my life group. Like we don't have the right, and Rob, probably well, you went over this at Hinson on over the Friday with the regulative principle. Yep. Like we don't have the right to worship in some willy nilly way um, the God who describes to us how He is to be worshipped, right? Um, we or we can't approach God or relate to God in ways outside of the ways that he's prescribed, right? I can't get to God without going through Christ. Like that, yeah. that's a basic no. Mm-hmm. Like we know that. Um, and I think that that's kind of what this chapter is setting up is you can't experience the glory of God if you don't experience it through the obedience that Moses uh, did to God's word. And so he being the Christ figure Right, so they got to experience the glory of God because Moses perfectly obeyed. We get to experience the glory of God in not in the the spirit or the present the glory of God over a temple or a tabernacle, but in the person of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of us, and we get that experience because Jesus had perfect obedience, and because yeah. Right, yeah. you know, so Moses finished the work, so Jesus finished the work. On, on the cross, and Moses built the tabernacle, Jesus built the church, and he did it with his own flesh and blood, not with materials. And I think that's kind of what this chapter ultimately is setting up, is this idea of if you're going to experience the glory of God, it comes through faith and obedience to the Word of God, and it comes through faith in the obedience of Christ, that he perfectly obeyed the word of God all his life. And therefore, because of his obedience, I get to have acceptance and therefore experience the glory of God, which is really a wonder. It's not about what we can do, but what God has done for us, which is a truly glorious thing. Yeah. And, and I think that it's so easy to read the Bible moralistically. Well, let's just be like Moses. And in one sense, we should try <laughs> to obey God's word, but when we fail, we can still experience the glory of God because Christ did not fail. And and he as the mediator between us, we get to experience the glory of God because he has made it accessible to us mm. through his finished work on the cross. It's a really amazing thing. Like yeah. I don't yeah. think a lot of people attempt to make those gospel connections. Um, I think when they read the Bible immediately, they're looking for like, what must I do, right? What must I do to be saved? And they're looking for a work, you know, cross mountains or cross oceans or whatever it is uh, that I mentioned in my sermon. Um, but to think like, oh, I just have to believe. Yep. And and I, so I'm having this evangelistic conversation this last week. And it's like, that was what I was emphasizing. Like, man, it's just literally faith in what belief in what Jesus did on the cross for you. And that's, I mean, that's hard to wrap your mind around at first. I think it takes some time. Um, But as a practical or application, like we have to do what God's word says 
for us to do if we're going to experience his glory. I think the Proverbs are doing this. I think a lot of the Psalms are doing this. Obviously, I think Paul is telling Timothy to do this, which is what we're getting into. Paul, Timothy, if you want to have a healthy church, this is how you get it. You got to do these things. And the end just doesn't justify the means. You got to do lead God's church in the way God would prescribe you to lead it. Um, and anyway, right. I think that so that's the important. word of God is what leads us to understand the glory of God predominantly. But that's the second part of the question that we got, um, which is essentially, is there a way that we could experience God's glory apart from his word? So like the, 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 um, the example that this person gave was, was Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus, of course, <laughs> miraculously appears to him and blinds him. And the, sure. that is definitely a depiction of the glory of God showing up in the life of Paul. Uh, but in, isn't in Jesus, isn't Jesus the word of God? Yeah. Jesus is the word of God. That's true. The, the word, other, the other example, this is the question is what in about carnate. stories that you hear? <laughs> what about stories that you hear about people who have never read the Bible, known the Bible, have uh-huh. dreams or visions of uh-huh. an appearance of Christ and eventually come to believe in in God, I mean, that that was uh, the question that they asked. So yeah. yeah, what about like a Muslim or a person who sees Jesus in a dream and then believe? Mm-hmm. Could they have experienced God's glory apart? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think definitely. I don't like. I've heard of that, but I've never heard of an actual case of that. Like where I've heard right. the like person it, explain it just be what happened apocryphal. Like it could um, it could be true, but but it, I mean, they must. Uh, how would you know it was Jesus? If you had never heard of Jesus, and or was it explained right. in the dream, then yeah, you're yeah. Of, so in some way you're kind of hearing of you're hearing word. God's word, Jesus, the idea <laughs> of uh, Jesus, the word made flesh. Um, but I would say that's definitely if that really happens, it does, yeah. and I have no reason to not, yeah to doubt it. I just personally have not ever spoken to or you know a person that it actually happened to. But if that happened, that is absolutely God's glory. That God like pulled someone out of a wrong mm-hmm. belief, a wrong worldview uh, through this dream and they have faith and then they go pursue it. They obviously would find a Bible. They would, you know, like that's God's right. glory a hundred percent being experienced yeah. by someone and being experienced by everyone who sees the effect of it on that person's life, you know. Yeah. I have you heard of that? Oh uh, yeah, I would say I read Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. He oh was, yeah, I've heard of this book. Yeah, yeah, he he was Muslim for his whole life, mm. and he had a he was he had a friend that was trying to minister to him for years. I think like eight years. So he had a crazy. friend who had already shared Christ with him. That's true. Yeah, but it was it was different. Seeds in the were sense, already planted. Yeah, it's different in the sense that he was like rejecting it for so yeah. long, and then he had a dream that was most definitely obviously from God. Um, and I think that the glory of God was seen through his faith and obedience and seeking that out. So I don't know mm. if you, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The other story, I've, I've heard a story like this, but it was from the point of a missionary who was bringing Bibles to an unreached people group. When he got there, he was explaining, you know, with the help of interpreters and such who Jesus was. And a person that he met said, oh yes, I know this man. I've seen him in dreams. He told me these things. <laughs> he told me you were going to come and, and bring us the word, basically. And then they get, he gives them the Bible, and then several are converted. 
and I can't remember the specifics, but I, I think that could be possible for sure. I think that they always go hand in hand. Exactly. Yeah. You will never. Yeah. And, yep. and obviously there's no way we could say anyone's ultimate, uh, you know, where their soul will end up. God can do whatever he pleases as God. But the way that we know about him and the way that the word talks about him, all salvation comes through understanding uh, the word in Christ, who is the living word, you know, and so yeah. faith in him is the only way. But yeah, it, it's it's definitely a mysterious and interesting thing to, to well, consider. I, th- and think about. I think like that I've heard that story that you just said right there. I've heard that before. And what's interesting is, yeah, okay, let's say some angelic being, you know, some vision, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of represents Christ or is Christ, you know, one of these things. And, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. He said you were going to come. So he always sends a human messenger mm-hmm. to preach the gospel, whether that messenger came prior and the seeds were already planted. Now the, the sort of like, well, for example, that's what Paul's experience was. He heard the gospel shared by Stephen. Stephen gave an amazing gospel Amazing presentation. gospel presentation. He heard it. He received it and killed him over it. And then, and then he sees Jesus. But the seed was planted. The seed, <laughs> seed was planted. planted. And oh, the yes. moment he sees Jesus in his glorified state, mm. it was like he came to the light, right? I mean, everything that he had just heard from the Stephen yeah. guy came to uh, fruition in his heart and mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for some, it's the other way around. It's like I had a vision. Mm. Something was going to happen. And I mean, for, for me... Uh, as an example, you know, actually Mark Dever called me out on this because at the stinking nine marks conference, it was like, how'd you come to faith? And I was like, well, and I was assuming he was asking who led you to faith. Like who brought, who brought you to church kind of thing. I was like, dude, I don't know. I was high and I had this desire to go to church. And he's like, no, 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 no. What, when did you come to faith? Like how, in what way? And I was like, well, I guess I heard a sermon, then, yeah. you know, and <laughs> well, he's guess, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like you don't like your urge to go to church yeah. didn't, didn't save you, you know, like Dude, was, you actually had to go to church. Yeah. He made me feel so OBD. stupid. It was, it was better than that. Cause you said, yeah, I was smoking weed in my apartment and I just decided to go to church and he goes, well, the weed didn't tell you the gospel, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's just confirming, oh, that's good. That's just confirming good. the weed wasn't what evangelized you. Is that right, correct? right, right, right. <laughs> um, You're like, yeah. oh yeah, that came out of eventually. A human I ended up hearing someone, and I mean, none of the, I mean, I had already heard things about Jesus. Yeah. Nobody had just mm-hmm. in that moment the Lord was opening up my eyes to see these things, you know. But anyway, I think that in answer to this question, um, there's. N- there's not going to be a moment when somebody doesn't hear the gospel from a person mm-hmm. um, and come to believe. And because I get really skeptical. I mean, this is what J- Joseph Smith said, right? I saw an angel. And yeah. Man, he communicated something. Well, to and be now fair, we got a he, massive cult. What he, yeah, <laughs> what, what he said was completely antithetical to what the Bible taught. Right. That's true. Though there's some people who say they see things and they're actually directly in line with the scripture. Right. But it, at any rate, I think you're right. Um, you These experiences, while they may happen, they're always, if they're truly from God, are aligned with his scripture, his yeah. word, yeah. and his testimony throughout all of time in redemptive history. So, 
I think it's, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that your statement, the the glory of God is only experienced through faith and obedience to the word of God. I think that faith is like almost like a reaction to any of these experiences. So if I see a vision and I just take it for what it is, it's like a dream or some sort of vision, but then I find out, oh wait, this could be Jesus. That would be faith in Jesus to think that that's what that is. Yeah. Oh yeah. So well, it, I mean, the Pentecost is an example of that. Yeah. I mean, some people saw it and they believed. Other people were like, dude, you're drunk. You're yeah. Of, These people yeah. are all drunk. He's like, dude, it's nine in the morning. They're not, <laughs> they're not drunk. <laughs> and so faith was what uh, stopped some of these people from seeing what was actually happening. Right. Now, what happened was Peter had to come in afterward and explain to them, no, 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 brother, this is, they're not drunk. This is what the prophet said. And then he brings the scriptures in and proclaims to them what is actually happening. And then some believe yeah. as a result of that. Um, some obviously still didn't for their own unbelief or whatever, mm-hmm. hardness of heart and things like that. Um, but I think the faith, we have to take God's word. We have to know God's word. Yeah, We have to then believe God's word. And then we have to act in, in what God's word says if we are going to experience the glory of God in our mm-hmm. lives. And it's not a big booming experience most often. It's the daily small little transformations that happen over a lifetime. And as Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction, you know? I've used yeah. the illustration before about like the painless dent removal. You know, it's like this small little dent, it takes a thousand tiny little pushes to just ultimately work this dent out in your metal in your car or whatever. Um, and and it, it, one hard push will dent it the other way. And God doesn't do that. He does subtle little pushes every single day. And then by the end of your life, you know, you're more in line with the character of God. And we've got dents all over us <laughs> in our flesh, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, it takes a whole life. And to, to essentially be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ uh, but this is the work that he's doing. And the cool thing is, is that he wants to satisfy that longing mm-hmm. that we have for glory um, that we ultimately look for in other spaces. I mean, isn't this what the original sin was? Eve looked yeah. at the fruit and w- desired it. It was pleasurable wanted to the more. eyes. She wanted more. She could be like, she could be like God. She, she had a longing for something more than what she was and what she thought had and she lacked contentment yeah and she was in paradise (laughs) (laughs) that's right stinking paradise yeah which is you know with us in this broken fallen world yeah of course we have similar feelings you know well i i wonder though with uh i don't know maybe i'm sitting on this rabbit trail and this is we're already long but like belief right uh we say it often almost like it's a choice do you, you know, like, uh, how do you, you want to experience God's glory? Okay. Believe in Jesus. Yeah. Repent. What's the, how the much God side of that? <laughs> well, the God side, but also like how much of that, like, if I just don't believe in something that doesn't feel like I can change that. You what do you mean? I'm saying? No. I mean, like, like I believe in Sasquatch, right? My girls, <laughs> my girls make fun of me for this, but like in the back of my oh, head, you really do. In the back of my head, like, <laughs> no, I think, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you 
He's from There's Washington. some weird it stuff out there. Is. There's some weird stories. From people, you know, sure. who, who who benefit nothing from making it up. I've <laughs> yeah. seen some stuff. So I think it's likely real, <coughs> but I'm not going to go look for him. Right. Some people believe in Sasquatch enough to go look for him. Sure. Um, oh, okay. But like, if, if I mean, I don't believe there is like a ghost in the corner. Right, right, right. Like, and I can't just make myself believe that. Right. Um. So at what point? Yeah. If you just don't believe in Jesus, the imperative, like, okay, cool, believe in Jesus, then. Right. Um. What What's there? And I think you probably were already saying it, but there's a God factor. Right. Correct? Right. Right. Yeah. You mean? You mean like it? It takes God, like for example, the Sasquatch thing is is an obvious difference because a we have zero proof of this Sasquatch. That's debatable. Okay, <laughs> we have very thin evidence. Okay, but the other thing that is the major difference, major, <laughs> is um, who cares? Yeah, it makes no difference. If it does exist, sure. Yeah. Or if it does, but if Jesus exists or exists, that changes everything. It changes everything, right? Yeah. The gospel changes everything. Sasquatch does not. Cool though, if it really was, if he really yeah. was out there, yeah. Um, especially because we live up here in the Northwest, you know, um, that would be cool. But it doesn't change anything. And I think, but this in regard to faith and obedience and these kinds of things, but the eyewitness testimony, like they saw him, they touched mm. him. There were. A lot of people there, but I, I don't think we're talking about like in regard to faith, like whether or not Jesus is real, really rose from the grave. Mm. I think we're talking about like, do we really believe by faith that his way is the right way? Yeah. Um, like, for example, gender, like culture will say one thing and they can point to evidence and scientific data about whatever, whatever. And whether that's from biology or psychology or whatever, they can point to all of these things and say they, and they have faith in that stuff. Um, and, and yet I'd lost track of my thought because someone was just calling me, gosh, that's so annoying. <laughs> um, and so people can have faith in those kinds of beliefs, but you have to test them against like reality and, yeah. and sort of human flourishing and those kinds of things. But do we believe God's word? over what these other people are saying. And I, I was saying to somebody while I was evan- when I was evangelizing this guy this last week, like we don't always diagnose ourselves rightly. And we it, it sort of look to truth internally and how does this make me feel or how does that affect another person? But we don't always diagnose ourselves well. We don't always see the bigger picture. And so we need an external voice that sees the bigger picture and that person is God. And so are we going to believe his perspective especially as creator um, over our own. And that takes faith Mm. to believe that a woman is a woman and a man is a man. Do we want to believe in, you know, structures of authority? Do we want to believe in like what biblical love is over sort of like the world's definition of love? Like that's what I mean by like living out faith um, as a Christian social justice as an example, like the Bible talks about social justice, but there's biblical social justice and like secular social justice. Are we going to live it out in the way the Bible describes it? Or are we going to be more influenced by like a secular humanistic perspective of social justice? Hmm. So I think that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about walking out in faith 
and obedience. As a new, as a person exploring Christianity, their first act of faith and obedience is like believing in Jesus as Savior. Yeah, that God yeah. exists and that Jesus exists and He died on the cross for their sins and that He's the only way to heaven and that there's a reality called hell. And if they don't believe they're going there and everyone who doesn't believe is going there, the God factor in the belief thing is, yes, we need God to open our eyes, which is why we pray as Christians that God would open somebody's eyes. And we believe by faith that manipulation isn't going to get somebody to open their eyes. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. why we pray that God would open someone's eyes to believe. Um, so, yeah, we pray toward those ends. Right. And, yeah. and yet people are still responsible for their unbelief. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I was more, yeah, if that's the thing. So, okay, start with believing in Jesus. And someone's like, I don't believe in Jesus. I want to please God. Like, I kind of want to believe in Jesus, but I know deep down I don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, do you, would you s- start with obedience and hope faith comes? Well, I think that. Well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if they're five years old. I mean, this yeah. is, this is like, I, <laughs> right, I right, had, right. you know, I had a conversation. It was, it was random. They were kind of like going, feeding off each other with our middle school boys, small group. But one of the kids said like, uh, something about you shouldn't try to force people to become Christians. Mm. Like you shouldn't force them to, which I was like, okay, cool. But like you, you will, can't, cool. you will yeah. never you be able you to. You literally well, can't yeah. do that. Yeah. But then another kid said, yeah, well, you shouldn't force yourself to be a Christian. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's yeah. like, he's like, well, if you're not like a Christian, you don't believe in Jesus. Like you shouldn't like force yourself to do that. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know what you mean by force, but if you want to have faith, you should keep asking God for faith. Like you should try. You sure. should like, you should pray to God and yeah. ask for that yeah. thing. You should read the Bible. You should keep coming to youth group. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've, yeah, force is a weird word. But what's the first step for someone who hopes to, but just like they feel like they can't mentally ascend to just like they don't believe in a flat earth or they don't believe in unicorns or whatever. And they don't believe that a dude died and then came back to life. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I don't know if you can ever not really believe in the sense of like, like in Romans, it talks about how. Um, anyone who does not come to the truth just wickedly denies it. So you're Mm. just denying it. But deep down, you actually believe Mm. like you mean when he talks about like you, they suppress the truth? They suppress the truth. They, yeah. The truth is that Jesus is Lord. That yeah. is the truth, whether they like it or not. Sure. But I, I don't know if you could exactly say, oh, I don't believe that when in reality, like, I think your innermost being does know uh, that. Well, I think you, yeah, they acknowledge natural truth. Right. They acknowledge the moral truth. Yeah. And they just maybe don't acknowledge like scriptural truth. And what that is saying, your belief in the Bible and stuff like that. But like to answer your question, Cody, like I th- like does faith come before obedience? Maybe uh, is that kind of what maybe mm-hmm. you're going on? Because well, like, I mean, like true, I mean, great, like true obedience, we believe comes from the Holy Spirit within us. Like right? God has changed our right. hearts, our desires. I'm talking like the order. Like I think obedience comes after faith. Mm-hmm. At the same time, yeah. I require yeah. my seven-year-old to be obedient, even if she doesn't yet have faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, well, actually this is where I like, uh, Paul, or I'm sorry, Bonhoeffer's book, Cost of Discipleship is super weird. Cause he puts it the other way around obedience. First you respond to Christ's call and obedience because he's Lord. And then sort of eventually faith comes, which is sort of a weird argument, but anyway, he's, he's writing in his time, but I think if you're like a young person, you're parenting them, 
um, or you're being parent, parented, like you have to walk in obedience. I think the disciples walked in obedience to the Lord Jesus, even if they didn't yet fully understand or grasp who he is and what he came to do. It didn't come like until like later on. Um, there was evolutions of that. Nevertheless, like whatever he said, they did it. Um, and so I think that for a high school student, like it would, it would be wise for them at their age to at least explore are the claims of Christianity reasonable? Mm -hmm. Um, are, are they, (laughs) do they work? Are they pragmatic? Like what's the other alternative? And I, and I think that's what I was kind of bringing, trying to bring up in the proposition, like to the non-Christian in the la- this last week, hey, you're pursuing things. How's that working out for you? Mm. Like assess yourself. I mean, yeah. you're pursuing career. You're pursuing these things. Like how is that working out? Uh, you know, at the end of it, you're like, well, I'm not as sad. Like this elk guy, right? 2004, he buys a bunch of elk. He's probably like thinking this is the dream. I live in Malala, Oregon. I've got a bunch of elk. I'm going to sell them off. And now 2023, he's like, I don't even see him anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, how's that working out for you? You know, mm-hmm. like you, you have this dream yeah. in the early 2000s to have this thing. And then now I'll be happy. And he's like, dude, I don't even want to do what this What does that anymore. even mean though? They're there. He just doesn't recognize them. Yeah. Well, I mean, Emily, would, elk. <laughs> Emily would give me a hard time. Like when we lived in Gig Harbor and you, the mountain yeah. is breathtaking. But like when it's there, I mean, it's right behind the Fred Meyer. Like you go, <laughs> you walk into Fred Meyer. It is mountain uh, covering the entire, yeah, yeah, covering okay. the entire like skyline behind Fred Meyer every time you go into the grocery store, and you just kind of stop seeing it, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, it's, I think it's the awe is Got gone. It. I can I don't see it, but anymore. I don't, you know, <laughs> right? And well, that not. happened. That happened in Israel's life, and I think it's on us to constantly put before us. This is through daily devotions or regular devotions. This is through, you know, regular church going. This is mm-hmm. actually just like, like Jesus said, open your eyes. The fields are white for harvest. There's like opportunities all around you. And he's calling for them to open their eyes of faith. Yeah. They're seeing, they're just seeing people Yeah, yeah. around them. Oh, that's Andrew. You know, oh, that's Sarah over there. Oh, that's these people. Like, dude, don't, that that's a person that is made in the image of God that is yet to have faith in me. And I want to use you to like reach them. You know, I want to use you to disciple them and seeing people the way that Christ sees them and the way the Lord sees them and sees like the future potential in them. That's a faith step. And then that walking in obedience to actually go evangelize, to go make a disciple, to go be a mentor or whatever that is to meet a need that you see right in front of you instead of just passing right on by. You know, I, I think that's the kind of faith I think I'm talking about mm. mm-hmm. and then being obedient to that stuff. But I think it just takes hearing that shock factor voice from Jesus, like open your eyes, look at what I'm doing around you. And COVID was an interesting season. You know, it's like, open your eyes. What is the Lord doing through COVID? Mm-hmm. Don't like get all pissed off at the government and like what other leaders are doing or whatever, like go in your prayer closet and ask the Lord what he's doing to see his perspective on things. And I think like now that we're three years later, we can see some things that the Lord did that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes faith yeah. to, to see yeah. those kinds of things and, yeah. and walking in obedience. And I think we'll experience measures of the glory of God as we, as we do that. We, one of the big things I think I was trying to point out 
in the sermon is what they had. Like we come to the end of Exodus, this is stinking awesome. Mm. Yeah. Glory of God yeah, it's falling finally down. On the, I mean, my gosh, dude, they've been saved, delivered from their oppressors. I mean, provided for, uh, they've received God's word. Uh, they're together, you know, they're, they're like, this is awesome. Like everything is amazing. What they had, we have something so much better than that. Mm. We have the full revelation of God's salvation in Christ. Now, of course, we're, we're waiting for more glory too when he returns. But I think we can look at a story like this and think, man, I wish I could experience that. That'd be like asking us to go back to Eden. Why would we want to do that? We're looking forward to heaven. We have the glory, you know, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And I think we like your Mount Rainier, you know, we just don't see it anymore mm-hmm. because yeah. it's become, we stopped paying attention. Yeah. And I yeah. think if we just started paying attention again, we would experience more. Well, and that's the, the crazy thing, right? That's, it's that kind of cycle. The, the spirit enables us to obey. And as we obey, we grow, we experience God's glory more and more being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. that this week or last week? Uh, that was, was last week. Ago. It was the yeah. shining face of Moses. Right. Yeah. Be that idea. Like, so we experience more and more of God's glory as we obey more and more. Mm-hmm. And the Holy spirit allows us to do that. And the spirit's power grows in our life and it just rolls and rolls. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't want to get discouraged. Like I pointed out Moses, Moses in Exodus 40 is not Moses in Exodus three. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like, he, he, yeah. So, but every step of the way, in every act of faith, every step of faith, every act of obedience, and then at every turn, he saw the faithfulness of God, the presence of God, the glory of God, the reality of God over the realities of his feelings and all of these things, right? like the impossibilities and then God overcoming those over and over and over again. When you go through that journey, it's easy to be transformed, you know, but it's, it takes like, what did I say? Something like walking by faith through unprecedented circumstances. Mm. I mean, you know, we, we, you go through COVID, you're like, I don't have a precedent for this. I, so I, I don't know how to see what God is doing, but I'm going to trust God based on the things I've seen him do in the past. And when you walk that way, you're transformed. And I think for us, you know, when we go through circumstances, um, don't give up, Mm. don't give up, like keep going and walking by faith and just trust that the Lord is doing something that he's good and it's going to be good in the end. And, and I think we'll experience the glory of God in in those subtle things. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting right arm. We're getting real long, (laughs) right arm. We're getting real long. Uh, just a reminder, if you're not listening to us. At 1.5 speed, you're messing up. These podcasts can be short. <laughs> Shorter. Here's, here's, our, here's our next segment, though. What are we doing? Volunteer of the oh, Week. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah. Volunteer of the Week this week is Greg Newman. I'll give this shout out to Greg. As I was, as yeah. I was, as I was leading the men's huddle this week all by myself, I wasn't all by myself. No, because you Greg Other Newman guys were there, there but Greg, you. I got, yeah, I got there at seven <laughs> in the morning. I thought, man, I'm getting here early because it starts at eight 30 and there's Greg already doing stuff in the kitchen. And he was like, oh yeah, I got here at like six. 
I had no idea he got there every month. It's like six, six thirty yeah. in the morning. He does. He does. He's always going. he's always uh-huh. the first guy there. Yeah. So I appreciate you, Greg Newman, and yeah. so do all of the other men. Right. And we were saying we think we might have given it to him before, but uh, that's because he's a godly, faithful dude. He shows up. He cares for people well. He keeps track of people. He you mm-hmm. know visits. Uh, people who need visits and praise for people. He's and one of our ushers. Comforts. He's one of our ushers. There's a, a multitude of reasons that he's a uh, volunteer of the week and he's a faithful dude. So if you see him, thank him for everything he is, the personality that he contributes to the church and also for all the work he does. Tell him he's a volunteer of the work. Volunteer, volunteer of the week. Volunteer <laughs> of the week and congratulate him. And now we are moving on again. It's time for Bible trivia right now. All right. It looks like Aaron's got us. Yeah, I've got a couple. This is the same thing as uh, last time. Who said that? Pressure's on, Savannah. Who said that? that? I don't know. Okay, here we go. Ready? I just got a couple here. Um, So who said this in the Bible? Mm. So name a name. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Ooh, 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 ooh. You have to say it with that tone. Ooh. I know it. I know it. Man, he is he, this guy it. is the worst, dude. Is he just the worst? He's punishment the worst. Is greater than I can bear. My punishment is greater than I can bear. I feel like it's that guy that has leprosy and Elijah. Is it Elijah? The only that guy makes I can him walk of... into the Is he royalty? I'll give you a clue. You're not, you're not even close. He's not royalty. <laughs> uh, okay, so very it's... Very cold. <laughs> um, you have five seconds. Old, old or new? Naaman. Old. 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 Is he royalty or no? No. I mean, in one sense, but not... No, there. definitely not. In one sense. It's so What's that mean? Wow. Okay, so you don't have it. <laughs> we don't have it. Wow. Okay, who is it? It is Kane. Ah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Come we all on. knew that. This stinking guy murders his brother, and then he's got the audacity to feel entitled to have a lesser punishment than the Lord gave him. Give us a name. We need it. This one's all you, Savannah. What? Here we go. I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Oh, Adam. Come on. Well, I guess it was Adam, yeah. It was Adam, yeah. Is it Adam or Okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. Let's do one more. Behold, I see the heavens open. And the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. That Steven. is Stephen. Man. Glowing face. You just read the story. Yeah. Um, Last week, when I would listen to the podcast, I wasn't on the podcast. I had all of those. Nah. Right on the, yeah. Okay. Amos, I don't forget what the rest of them were, but I was like, oh, uh, I know that one. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, some of these, these are all in like old King James. These are, these are great. Are you giving like, us another one? Still? Like some of these, I, I, I can't even say them. Because they're offense, they're offensive. It's the Bible. You can say the Bible. Yeah. Um. Please no. Get the bleep, get the bleep <laughs> button ready. Yeah. You want me to bleep, bleep you out? Oh man. Okay. No, I'm. Not, I can't say it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let me give you this one. We're all wondering. <laughs> Let me die with the Philistines. Let me die with the Samson. Philistines. Saul? Samson. Samson. Wow, dude. He's so good. I told you, dude. I got it. He's got these. Wow. These are good ones. I like the uh, who said that one. One more. One more. One more. Okay. Who said Um, that? This is an easy one. Okay. But uh, so let's give Cody this one. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, I got one. I got the one before ready, the podcast ready? even started. I find no fault in this man. Oh, uh, Pontius Pilate. Pontius yeah. Pilate. You got it. Yeah. Good job, Cody. Way to go, Cody. Come on, Cody. Okay. Everyone's real excited for me. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> That's it. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org. Mm-hmm.